I would like you to open with me to the book of Luke again. We'll be in Luke chapter 12, and we'll begin in verse 8 in just a moment. Luke chapter 12 and verse 8. And you'll remember that where we are in, in kind of the, the timeline of Jesus' life, he's making his final trip towards Jerusalem, his big trip. And, of course, he gets to Jerusalem, and then that last week he, he'll go in and teach, and then he'll leave the town and, and spend the night elsewhere and go back into town. But this is his big last trip to Jerusalem. And on his way, of course, he's, um, when he gets there, he will eventually be crucified. But along the way, he is taking this opportunity to teach and to, uh, to preach and to heal and cast out demons and all sorts of things like that. A few weeks ago, you might remember that we saw him cast out demon, uh, several demons from a young man. And uh, this, this exorcism, exorcism allowed this young man to regain his sight, the ability to speak, and so forth. Now, Luke records at that time that some Pharisees accused Jesus of being in league with the devil then, of casting out demons by the power of Beelzebul. And we saw a little bit of Jesus' response to that. You know, a house divided against itself cannot stand, and, and so on and so forth. But he doesn't give a full, uh, he doesn't record Jesus' full response at that time. But today we're going to see a little bit more of the response that what they, what they had done and said um, uh, a little bit. We will see a little bit more of the response to that in our text today. Uh, so we'll, we'll look at that, but we'll also look at the unpardonable or unforgivable sin. And uh, there is a parallel passage in Matthew chapter 12 as well as Mark 3. So if you want to turn your Bibles to Mark 3, we will look at that passage as well. It will not be up on the screen. I meant to put that um, in, the, uh, in the thing for the service, but I honestly just forgot. Um, when we get to that section, I will just, I'll read the text. So if you don't want to turn there and you just want to make a note, that's, um, that's of course okay too. But we will be in, in Mark chapter 3 as well. Now we don't often pull in parallel passages, but... I think it's going to be helpful today. We'll, we'll focus in on verses 28 and following in Mark 3. Uh, but I think it's, it's going to be beneficial to us as we think about the unpardonable or unforgivable sin because there's some, uh, some language in there, a little fuller uh, record than what Luke has. And I, I think it'll be helpful to give us a better grasp of all that Jesus is saying. So if you found Luke chapter 12, that is where we'll start. That's where we're going to spend most of our time. But um, if you found verses 8 and following, please stand with me if you're able. And uh, we'll read down to verse 12. Jesus said, And I say to you, everyone who confesses me before men, the Son of Man will confess him also before the angels of God. But he he who denies me before men will be denied before the angels of God. And everyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man, it will be forgiven him. But he who who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit, it will not be forgiven him. When they bring you before the synagogues and the rulers and the authorities... Do not worry about how or what you are to speak in your defense or what you will say. For the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. Thank you. You may be seated. Now the text breaks down, uh, as I try to outline things, I've, I've broken down this text into two main headings, and they both start with the letter A. The first is acknowledgment, and the second is answer. It's, it's kind of two major chunks. And so acknowledgement and answer. Look back at verse 8, if you will, and we'll see the first part of what Jesus says. He says that the one who confesses him before men, the Son of Man, Jesus, will confess before the angels of God. 
Now, again, I want you to remember the context of this teaching because Jesus has been talking about hypocrisy. He's been talking about being a religious pretender. And one reason that people may be a pretender, a religious pretender, they may be a hypocrite, is because they're, they're trying to put on airs and, and get people to think that there's something different than what they are. One reason may be because of something like prestige. Maybe you've heard about people that are in business, and so uh, they, they, uh, they will go to a certain church to make business connections when really they don't have any interest in Christianity. Or you, you, may, you may think about people who, who just in a, a general sense, they, they put on airs, they go to church, they try to make everybody think that they're, they're all holy and everything, but inwardly they are something totally and completely different. So there's, there's one category of hypocrite that's, that's a, going to, for, for, for some kind of positive benefit to themselves, whether it's just esteem or, or whatever it is. But, but also remember what Jesus taught in verse 4. He said that we need to fear God rather than man. He said that, that men, people, have power over the body. And, and it's one thing to be fearful of them, but, but there's only a limited amount they can do. Because after we're dead, it doesn't matter what happens to our bodies, we're not experiencing it because we've gone on to the afterlife. And Jesus says we shouldn't fear those who can only kill the body. But instead we need to fear the one, God, who can not only kill the body, but also has the authority to cast into hell. And so there's a group or a category of hypocrite that would fall into this category. The person who seems sold out to God. They put on airs, they, they put on a show, and it, it seems impressive. Like, like there's no way that they would ever uh, be anything but totally sold out to God. And yet when persecution comes, or difficulty comes... They fall away. These are people that, 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 uh, that, that whenever that pressure comes on, whenever they're put on the spot, whenever persecution comes, whenever trials come, they, their, their, their faith not only wavers, but they give in to it. In other words, their resolve dissolves. They, they're a hypocrite in the sense that they're, they're putting on this show and they look like they're going to be that one that's solid as a rock, but yet they're... There's un, uncertain and, and changing as a wave. Jesus calls us to a higher commitment than that. He doesn't call us to be fair-weather Christians. He doesn't call us to fair-weather Christianity. He doesn't say, take up your, your lawn chair daily and follow me. He says, daily, take up your cross and follow me. He says that if people deny him before man, he will deny them before the angels of heaven. Now, that's pretty stark. <coughs> Excuse me. Now, there may be some of us here that even as you read that and even as you hear those words, there may be some of us here who, who feel conviction of that because maybe there's been an experience in our life that we can think of just right off the bat when not only did we not speak up when we could have, not only did we not speak up when we should have, but maybe we've denied Christ in some way. And we think the, the most famous example of that is from Scripture itself with Simon Peter. The night that, he, that Jesus was betrayed, what did Peter do? Not only was he not bold when he could have been bold, sitting around the, that fire with the people who had arrested Jesus, the people who were going to crucify Jesus, he could have been bold and said, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Not only did he not do that, he denied even knowing Christ and, 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 uh, and that kind of fits the category of what jesus is talking about and so we look at this and we say so does that mean that peter is basically lost 
And I think the answer to that is no, because there's, I mean, we, we see it in Scripture. Peter was forgiven. He was put back into service. God recommissioned him. He was the one who at Pentecost stood up and preached and thousands got saved. God still used him. God still had a plan for him. And Jesus himself says in our, in our text that every other sin except for the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit will be forgiven men. So, so this in itself is not an unforgivable sin. There's a difference, I believe, in giving in to temptation in a, in a time of weakness and being firmly established in opposition to God. And if you consistently and repeatedly deny Christ, that shows there's not been that change on the inside. And, 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 and Jesus says, If you deny me before man, I will deny you before the angels of heaven. And that is, that is stark language. And if you are feeling conviction of, for that, for some time in your life when you've done that, that's good because it's not something to be proud of. But it's not the unforgivable sin. There is forgiveness. There is restoration. If you will turn from that, if you will confess your sin to Him, He will forgive that. But Jesus then hits us with a sobering thought in verse 10, and He does talk about the unpardonable or unforgivable sin. Look at what it says. And everyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man, it will be forgiven him. But he who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit, it will not be forgiven him. Now there are a couple of questions that we need to need to ask here and i'm going to i'm going to just preface this by saying i'm going to i'm going to shave the meat pretty thin on this and what i mean by that is sometimes uh, you know sometimes we uh, i like precision and so i'm going to try to be as precise and accurate as possible and and when we get through with it you may say well that was a distinction without a difference but i i want us to look at this and a couple of questions we need to ask the first is is what exactly is blasphemy against the holy spirit that's the first question. And the second question is, can this be done today? Is this a sin that we can commit today? And, and people often ask that, the, the second question, in one form or another, by saying things like, have I committed that sin? Have I committed the unpardonable sin? Now, to more fully answer the question, both of those questions, I want us to turn back over to Mark chapter 3. Because there are some, like I said, uh, Matthew 12 and Mark 3 are parallel passages we're going to focus in on verse uh, 28 to 30, but I want us to back up just a little bit to verse 22, um, just to kind of get a context to his words, because this is the, like I said, it's the same context of what he's been talking about. So listen to verses 22 and following. The scribes who came down from Jerusalem were saying, He is possessed by Beelzebul, and he casts out demons by the ruler of the demons. Okay, so this is the same event, him casting out the demon from this young man. And he called them to himself and began speaking to them in parables. How can Satan cast out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. If a house is divided against itself, that house will not be able to stand. If Satan has risen up against himself and is divided, he cannot stand, and he is finished. But no one can enter the strong man's house and plunder his property unless he first binds the strong man, and then he will plunder his house. Remember, he's the strong man coming into the devil's house, taking his possessions. He's taking those uh, those people that are possessed by Satan. Truly I say to you, here's where I want us to focus. Truly I say to you, all sins shall be forgiven the sons of men, and whatever blasphemies they utter, but whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness, but is guilty of an eternal sin, because, and here's here's the key, because they were saying, 
he has an unclean spirit. He has an unclean spirit. So, the first question is, what does it mean to blaspheme against the Holy Spirit? Well, what does it mean to blaspheme? To blaspheme means to speak against. It's to speak impiously about. It's to vilify or to to say terrible things about, in this case, God, the Holy Spirit. So, do people blaspheme today? Yes. I mean, when people mock God, when they mock Jesus, when they ridicule the faith, and especially the object of our faith, being the Lord, that is blasphemy. That's blasphemy in a broad sense. But Jesus has something more specific in mind, because listen again to what it says, verses 28 to 30. Truly I say to you, all sins shall be forgiven the sons of men, and whatever blasphemies they utter. But whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness, but is guilty of an eternal sin because they were saying he has an unclean spirit. So this event where where Jesus is standing in front of them, performing the works of God, and they still lumped him in with the devil, said he was possessed by the devil, in league with the devil, doing works by the power of the devil, this event is what Jesus is referring to. So scripture defines blasphemy against the spirit as rejecting as these people rejecting the Spirit's convicting and convincing of sin, convicting them and showing them that Jesus is the Messiah, that He is there as God's anointed one. And, and they had all the evidence. They heard His amazing words. They saw His miraculous deeds. And they still turned a deaf ear and a blind eye to what was going on. And they rejected Christ. And, and they, they were so hardened in their sin and so rebellious in their spirit they falsely accused him in this way. And that is the unforgivable sin. And so why would that be unforgivable when something we would consider even, I mean, at least as bad, something like murder, why would something like that be forgivable but this would not be? Well, I think the reason is twofold. First, because forgiveness implies repentance. Because forgiveness is a a reconciliation of two parties. Forgiveness is uh, people getting put on right terms. And when sin's involved, that happens when there is repentance of that sin, when there's been a change of heart about that sin, when there's been a change of mind about that sin. And these people are not going to repent, and therefore they will not be forgiven, because they're turning a deaf ear to the Spirit who's convicting them of that sin. They're rejecting the one and only Savior who can save them from that sin. And so they don't even see Christ as the cure for their condition. But second, it is unforgivable, it is unpardonable, because ultimately they are rejecting the Christ, the one way that God's made for salvation, and they're rejecting Him. If if there is one path to get from point A to point B, and you choose not to go on that path, you're not getting to point B. And Jesus is the only way to the Father. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. And if you reject that one way to heaven, you're not going. So this, the, the, the question is, what is this blasphemy of the Holy Spirit? It is It is seeing Christ, they had him in person, and still assigning him, lumping him in with the devil. The second question this raises is whether or not something, that is something we can commit today. And I believe the answer to that is no, but I hastened to add that there is an unforgivable state because many times what we say in church is well the unforgivable sin is is not believing on Christ I would 
again, I'm, I'm slashing her pretty thin, say that is that unforgivable state because you're still, you're rejecting the only way to salvation just like these guys did. You say, Pastor, that's a, that's a distinction without a difference. I think there is a, a difference. The difference is the way that it gets there, but the end result's the same. That being, if you do not accept Christ as your Savior, you're in the same boat these guys are because you're rejecting the only way you can get to heaven. Whether you come down on this being something you can do today or not, the one thing we can all agree on, I believe, is the necessity of faith in Christ. If you do not trust in Christ as your Savior, you will not be saved. If you do not trust on Christ, if you do not believe on Him for salvation, you are dead in your trespasses and sins. You are in an unforgivable state because God says there is one way, and that's through Christ. And if you refuse that one way, you will not get to heaven. You will not be made right with God. You will not be forgiven apart from Christ. That is why it is imperative that you believe on Christ for salvation. Today, even, believe on Christ and be saved. So the first part of this text is acknowledgement. The second part I want you to to see is answer. Answer. So look back at, at Luke chapter 12, if you would. He says, When they bring you before the synagogues and the rulers and the authorities, do not worry about how or what you're to speak in your defense or what you're to say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. So the, the second part of this I've, I've lumped under the heading of answer. Notice what he says. He says, when, not if, but when you stand trial for your faith. He doesn't, he doesn't sugarcoat things. He doesn't try to hide things. He doesn't say, well, if, if, if you will follow me, you'll live your best life now. You'll, you'll have a lot of health, a lot of wealth, and just sow a seed in my ministry, and God will bless you. He doesn't say, if you'll just send me $100, I'll send you a handkerchief that I've prayed over. He doesn't say any of that. He says, you follow me, you'll be on trial for your faith. You will experience persecution. He said, but when that happens, don't worry. Don't, don't, don't be stressed out. Don't be planning beforehand. Well, if they ask me this, this is the answer I'm going to give, and I hope I remember to include this point and that point. And if they ask me that, he says, don't worry about all that. He says, all, the, the Holy Spirit will give you the words to say. And we see that in the book of Acts. These, these apostles end up before religious leaders, and they had the words to say. God gave them the words. Now, this is not to say that we shouldn't prepare ourselves to give a hope for the answer to life, an answer for the hope that lies within us. We should do that. But Jesus says, you need not stress yourself out about, uh, about having the right words. And I think what is true of the greater is going to be true of the lesser. How many times have we gone before religious leaders and given an answer for our faith? And the answer to that is none of us have done it ever, most likely. We don't live in a time or an era or, or, or a location where there's Christian persecution like that. I'm glad. I'm thankful. But listen, what's true of the lesser is going to be true, or of the greater is going to be true of the lesser. There are going to be times when you give testimony when you're talking to your friend. Have you ever had those times when you start a conversation, you start heading down the road, and, and you're talking about the faith, and all of a sudden you think, Lord, help me. Lord, give me the words to say. 
And you, as you breathe that, that quick prayer, realize God will give you the words to say. And sometimes we walk away from that and we just hang our head in shame because we think, boy, I should have done this. I should have said that. If I would have phrased this differently, if I could have just written it out beforehand, I could have made that sound a whole lot better. Listen, uh, as, as one of, I can't remember the guy's name, um, he, he says, God can use your, basically he can use your, your, your mess ups, but he can't use your silence. And you may not say things very eloquently, kind of like I just did. But listen, God can use that, but he can't use you being quiet. He can't use it if you're, if you're not saying it. God will use the words that he's given you. And, and it could be that uh, it could be that, that even today, as you think about maybe this week, the last couple of weeks, you think about some time when, when you have spoken to somebody. Be happy that you spoke. Because again, God can use that. Don't beat yourself up. Maybe you have some, maybe you have some uh, appointment planned. One time Scarlett was in some kind of a, a, a book club meeting or something. And there was somebody there who was more antagonistic to scripture and, and things like that. And somehow she arranged a meeting between me and this gentleman. And we were going to sit down and we were going to discuss the Bible and how it came to be. And, and you know, she had shared some of the things that he had said and they were factually incorrect. And so I prepared. And if you've, have, have you ever seen like Rambo? You know, he has, all, he has like the belt fed ammo all just, just ammo everywhere. And he's got the machine guns. And he's got sidearms. He's got bazookas. I mean, he just, that was me with information. I went in. And it's terrible. I mean, I'm I'm not happy with the way that this went. I mean, he was he was nice about everything, but buddy, you talk about getting it with both barrels. He got it with about a hundred barrels, uh, and I mean, and again, I wasn't being rude about things, but it was just man, I just had so much stuff because I prepared. Now, again, some of those factual things would be good, been good to have fresh on the mind, but that was a failure on my part because I was thinking, essentially. Man, I, I, I better do this right instead of trusting in God to give me some of those words. So I guess I'm saying don't follow your pastor's example in that, in that sense. Maybe you, have, but maybe you have some kind of appointment like that coming up. And maybe, may, maybe you're, you're maybe involved in an ongoing conversation. Don't, again, do your due diligence, but it's not, ultimately not up to you. God will give you those words. God is the one who takes those words and makes them effective. Maybe, kind of working our way back through the text, maybe you're scared that you've committed the unpardonable sin. Listen, the fact that you are concerned about committing the unpardonable sin shows you have not committed the unpardonable sin. Because the unpardonable sin, the attitude that's behind that, is a a heart that's so hardened towards God that those people don't even acknowledge that what they're doing is a sin. Okay, you get that? There's now again, there is an unforgivable state. If you reject Christ, you're not saved. You're not going to heaven. You are not and will not be forgiven by God. You stand condemned in His presence. Therefore, it is essential 
today, while it's still called today, the Bible says, don't harden your heart. Turn from your sin. Believe on Christ for salvation. Because if you die in that condition, there is no more hope. But while you still have a breath in your body, there is hope. Turn to God. But after death, there are no redos. Jesus is the way. And maybe, maybe what he said at the beginning is what resonates with you. He said that, that, that you need to acknowledge him before men. Do you, do you look at your life and have a history of not only keeping quiet, but, uh, or not being bold, but also keeping quiet and, and even denying Christ? There's forgiveness for that. But we need to be bold. We need to stand up for our faith. Why don't you stand with me as musicians come? And as you stand, as you bow your heads and close your eyes. And with nobody looking around, I just invite you to, to think about your life. And again, I'm not here to, to, I'm not casting stones. It's not that I've got it all figured out and, and I'm the, the example. Again, sometimes I'm the, I'm the example to avoid. Just in the quiet of this time, with heads bowed and eyes closed, I encourage you to think about your life. Do you deny Christ? Are you bold in your testimony um, about Him? Do you think that all the answers that you give whenever you discuss these things, all the answers are dependent upon you, your intelligence, your preparation? Have you personally, not has your not has your friends, not has your family, have you personally trusted in Christ for salvation? Because if not, again, you stand condemned. But the Bible says that if you will trust in Christ, even today, right where you are, for salvation, you will be saved. Heavenly Father, again, Lord, we're we're thankful for your spirit that uh, that moves in our midst. We thank you that that even when we do something as severe as deny you, like Peter did, that like Peter, there's forgiveness. If we'll confess that sin to you, if we will agree with you that it was wrong, there's forgiveness for that. But God, we know the one thing that that is beyond. Um, well, we know the one thing that will keep us out of heaven is fear to trust in Christ. And Lord, if there's somebody who's hearing me today that's never accepted Christ, maybe there's maybe they don't express an outward uh, hostility towards you. 
but for for whatever reason they've they've never trusted in Christ alone for salvation. Let them do that today. God, help them to see the hopelessness of their situation apart from you. And again, we thank you that all who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. In Jesus' name, amen.